We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder Drew Gear. Be aggressive. You have literally nothing to lose. You're a borderline football team. If I don't keep laughing about this stuff, my teeth are going to turn around and devour my brain. The Bills make me wanna. With Cam Newton going to New England. Make no mistake, the AFC East is still all about the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills will win the division by three or four games. The Buffalo Bills are loaded. The Bills have a better defense than New England. That defense for the Buffalo Bills, absolutely incredible. Josh Allen is a great quarterback who's going to become even better in year number three. Stephon Diggs and Brown and Beasley at the wide receiver position. Josh Allen is better than Cam Newton. Sam Darnold is light years better than Cam Newton. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Rock Pal Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and that was Adam Shine of CBS Sports talking about the Buffalo Bills in 2020, stacking up in the AFC East in a post-Cam Newton world. Chris! I'm fired up. Yeah, you sound like it. Come on now. It is our first official podcast as part of the Blue Wire Network. Cheers. Here we go. Blue Wire Podcast Network. <laughs> Woo. For you longtime listeners, it's going to be a slight departure from what you're used to because you've gotten 
first of all, you've gotten used to us over the course of the last six or seven months. Chris, long-form podcasts. Yeah, we've been doing two-hour shows. Were you shocked when you saw the numbers of people who were showing up for two hours of you and me? Well, I, I generally kind of gauge by the amount of notes you send me. So when I see that you send me 18 pages of notes, I know that <laughs> I am in for a long night. <laughs> you guys, for those of you diehards, thank you. Thank you for everything you've given us. The, those of you who showed up for two-hour podcast extravaganzas every single week, where we spend at least a third of it making fun of each other, you guys are the real, you guys are the real MVPs. So, Chris, let's raise a toast to them. There you go. Now, having said that, we're going to make some changes here as we go forward. Like I said, change. It's hard. It's strange. It's new. I have this. Chris, I have butterflies right now. Do you know how hard it is? I'm unflappable. This COVID thing. Yeah, I've been fine. Yeah. This has me nervous. First of all, I want to say we love you guys. Going forward, we're going to change things up. We're going to do two shows a week at an hour a clip. Allegedly an hour a clip. (laughs) Allegedly. Chris, think about it. It's more palatable to our listeners, considering the lack of commuting happening just across the country, around the world, the way that this COVID thing has impacted the way people listen to podcasts. I'm behind in so many of my favorites because if they're too long, I just don't, I'm not in the car anymore. I I, I struggle to find, if I'm working from home. Well, I got eight hours to kill at work, so it's it's easy for me to... I haven't, I haven't lost uh, anything in my podcast listening. See, I have. And so knowing that, we've taken that under consideration and we've made some changes. We think it's going to be more palatable to you guys as listeners. It's just going to, it's going to force us, Chris, to be better as podcasters. Yep. We're going to be out of our comfort zone because now I have to be a real host. I can't just get drunk behind a microphone and shuck and jive for as long as <laughs> for, for two and a half hours and then call it quits whenever I feel like it. I have a structure now. I have, a, I have something I have to try to... I have to be more creative. I have to be more concise. Yeah. And with that... Chris, two, more, that two more shows. Two shows a week now for me. Now I got more editing to do and more audio to find to you know, assist with both shows. I'm excited. Chris, I feel like a kid on his first day of high school. I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm in this area I haven't been in before. I don't know if I'm going to get pantsed. I don't know if this is going to end poorly. What I do know is it's cool because I don't know anything about it. We're going to feel our way through this process. It's going to be a lot of fun. Podcasts are going to come out multiple times a week. We get to break up your week as listeners with more of our nonsense and create more unique types of content because of the new format. I mean, Chris, I've been bouncing ideas off of you for weeks. Yeah. Tell me that some of them aren't pretty great. They're mostly bad, but, you know, (laughs) some of them are good. Sleep, Chris, I love you. We've got a lot out there in front of us. To the future, sir. To the futures. I feel like Buzz Lightyear, except instead of genuinely believing I'm a space ranger, I'm pretty sure I'm just strapped to a rocket. And if I end up like that first monkey that got shot out into space, we just crater somewhere. There you go. So be it. With that said, the topic of this week's podcast Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the AFC East, depending on who you listen to, has changed. We're here tonight to talk about Cam Newton and AFC East overreactions. Now, Chris, I chalk some of this up to, 
Considering how boring things have been in terms of real football news. Oh, I thought you were going to say about my life. <laughs> well, Chris, I mean, that's a given. Let's face it. You're, you're walking ambient. You're like a Sean McDermott press conference in yeah. terms of your overall life. Nothing exciting happens. And the, even the things that you think are exciting. They're not. They're not. Chris, you got a girl talked to me on a dating app. I don't know why that's notable. Can, I mean, Chris, I thought this blonde hair was supposed to get you more dates. Yeah, it uh, it works. <laughs> you've all, you've already had a drink of Seagram's on it, so that's a win for, win in my book. Well, considering how boring things have been, unless you're like me, who's just engrossed in this world of the logistical and financial implications of COVID impacting the way the NFL operates. Sunday's news was probably the biggest thing to happen, Chris. Could you say in the last two months in terms of the NFL? Yeah. Very true. It goes a long way towards explaining why it set social media on fire and why pundits were tearing their ACLs across the country just knee-jerking in reaction to the announcement that Cam Newton had signed with the New England Patriots. Chris, when, how did you find out? Uh, it was a combination of two things. I was on Twitter because I did retweet uh, Adam Schefter's uh, story about Cam Newton signing. And then uh, one of our listeners, Jason Hicksonbaugh, he had reached out to me on Facebook and said, Hey, Cam Newton signed with the Patriots. Doesn't move the needle for me. Okay. Well, here's what I'll say. I'm going to get my phone here. I was, I was probably about eight drinks deep. And I get a text message from my uncle. My uncle... Being a fantasy, you know, he follows fantasy football and he, he watches football. I don't know how much he understands of it. I get a, th- I literally get a three, four word text message. It just says at 8.15 p.m. as I'm outside my patio, just having some cocktails. Cam Newton to Pats. All lowercase because he's over the age of 40. So obviously he doesn't understand how text messaging works or how grammar in a text messaging environment works. My response is to him, Chris. So they're eight and eight. Solid. They miss out on a generational quarterback all because Billy can't handle losing. F Cam Newton. F his terrible wardrobe and F the Patriots. <laughs> now, again, we're talking about Chris, a couple drinks in. I'm willing to swear at anybody. Correct. Oh, yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. But that was my attitude in the moment. Again, nonplussed. I woke up this morning driving into work, and I'm stuck listening to Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN's quote-unquote NFL front office insider on Golik and Wingo. And I get to hear him say absurd things. Chris, I'm not quoting, but these are essentially his, if I could summarize the whole interview. The three people he thinks will struggle most because of this are a- that he feels the most bad for are the AFC East defensive coordinators. He thinks that all three of those teams are now going to have to tear up their defensive game plans and start over from scratch because of this one signing. He went on to say that he thinks that the Patriots have the best backfield in the division and one of the best in the NFL said that this signing makes them a de facto favorites in the division for the umpteenth year in a row. Sorry to everyone else for trying. Yeah, I mean, all those make a lot of sense, especially the AFC East defensive coordinators, because, you know, you know, Sean McDermott has 
nothing on Cam Newton. I mean, like, he's never been anywhere with him before. You've never seen the guy? No. Or, you know, because you change the way you do things specifically because of a guy you see twice a year. Yeah. No, 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 no. Let's all panic. Let's all take our shirts off and run. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's no house fire here, Chris. And so, sidebar, but I think it's worth discussing. As a listener of ESPN Radio, I've been wondering for a while now, who the hell is Mike Tannenbaum? Chris, can, can you, do you think, in your non-professional opinion, can you be tabbed as an expert in something such as, quote-unquote, knowing the inner workings of an NFL front office and having an eye for football situations? If you were actually fired twice for being bad at those two things. Well, that's ESPN's requirements. He's been in an <laughs> office regard, regardless if it was good or bad. But uh, I do think a, a lot less of you now that I know that you're an active ESPN radio listener. It's better than WGR. I would rather listen to GR than ESPN radio. I'd rather listen to wind than WGR. The sound of wind through a slightly cracked window. You know how it starts to make that drumming noise if you have the back windows closed? Yeah. yeah. I'd rather listen to that. Chris, I digress. He's not alone. Mike Tannenbaum and his terrible opinions. The hot take factories were, Chris, they were hot today. They were churning away, pumping out molten slag in the form of bad opinions. From Stephen A. to Skip Bayless and everyone in between. <sighs> Most of the people see this as something that makes the Patriots a Super Bowl contender, Chris. A Super Bowl contender, not just a good football team. A team that will go to the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, more pragmatic guys like CBS's Pete Prisco, who I still, I don't like him either, says that the division is still the Bills to lose. But it was Adam Shine from CBS Sports, which you heard in tonight's intro, that really hit the nail on the head for me. I don't care about the move, Chris, because unfortunately for people in Boston, I don't know if I don't know if Cam Newton at this stage of his career can really overcome what's laid out in front of him. I mean, in fact, I agree with Shine on a number of points. First of all, I think it's our division to lose because we have the most complete roster. We yeah. do. Yeah. Our wide receiver trio is the most dynamic group anywhere in the AFC East, and I'd say it's up there with the best in the AFC. I'd say if you were looking for better skill position talent as far as wide receivers go, I think of Kansas City. Kansas City's got some studs. They've got horses, all right? And they've got Patrick Mahomes, which almost seems like it's unfair. But Chris, name me another team that you think of wide receiver one, two, and three are better than Stephon Diggs, because and I think of it this way, let me add this. They're complementary talents. All of them work in tandem. John Brown is your do-it-all. I can run short routes. I can run deep routes. I can burn a guy deep, maybe. Run across the middle. I can come across the middle. I can run posts. I can run hitches. I can run comebacks. I catch the ball very well when it's thrown to me. He's not a dynamic wide receiver in terms of, you know, he's, he's not going to blow the... He's not going to be the wide receiver who dominates a football game. But he is the guy who, in the right situation, can easily rack up 100 yards in a game. Oh, yeah. If, if, especially if we play a team that has 
that has a lack of depth after CB1 who would be covering digs. Oh. And you get him on a poor CB2. You can't he can cover. absolutely take over the game. Diggs has been one of the NFL's elite deep threats. And one of the route best, runners. And route runners and best down-the-field threats in the NFL for the last few years of his career. And then you've got Cole Beasley, who, not for nothing, but Sean, Sean McDermott loves the guy. Josh Allen fell in love with that guy down the stretch. He worked Cole Beasley to death once he figured out how to not throw the ball through his chest. Remember that? Where he was like, hey, I had to tell... Cole Beasley's telling the media, I had to tell Allen after the first few weeks, stop throwing it through me. Just throw it to me. <laughs> Let me catch it. Yeah, you know, Cole Beasley kind of works like a, a tight end in the sense that, you know, he's that security blanket for Allen. And I guess that's the thing. Their skill sets are all super complementary. So I don't know a team in the division, much less the AFC, that has that quality there as far as the skill positions go. I don't know a DB group, Chris, that can contain all of them at the same time. That has proven they can do it week in and week out. I'm looking across the AFC, Chris. Who scares you? Uh, probably just uh, Baltimore, Kansas City. And then us would probably be three. Okay. As of right now. But I'm talking about defensive back talent. Defen- uh, probably Baltimore's. Baltimore's? They, 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 they still have Peters. Their, their secondary is good. I give them that. Maybe the Dolphins. Maybe. If they're Byron Jones, and if this rookie pans out, they could be good. If those yeah. signings don't pan out... We're, we still have to wait and see if those guys fit that system. Exactly. So instead... But, but Chris, never mind all of this logic that we're throwing out there. Oh, and Chris, just, just to mention, our defense is the most consistent from starter to starter from last year and scheme to scheme from last year, then most defenses in the NFL. As we talked about in our upcoming show with uh, Bruce Nolan, talking about our training camp primer for the secondary, we have one of the NFL's best values in terms of defensive backs, and you added pass rush talent to that this offseason. Yeah, that's only going to fluster the quarterback and then uh, create early throws, maybe get some breaks, some pick sixes. And yet here we are living in a world where this is dominating the headlines. The signing of Cam Newton as it relates to the Buffalo Bills future in the AFC East. Somehow, Chris, we're supposed to accept the idea that you hemorrhaged all these things. You're not a great football team. You were about to start Jared Stidham. And now with the signing of Cam Newton, you're supposed to go from pretender to contender? Folks, there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is the leading way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Now, folks, I could sit here and I could rattle off all of my thoughts about this topic. Vent at you. Yell at you. But we're, we're all cut from the same cloth here. We're all Bills fans. So where's the fun in that? I mean, Chris, we have a standard to uphold as the pettiest Bills podcast in existence. Yes, we do. It's just not our style. No, no, in order to live up to that billing, we have to bring you a Patriots fan on air 
and force them to have this conversation with us. Because, Chris, in my opinion, that is cultivating and earning our brand. Yes, it is. And so with that said, we have Mr. Christian Simonelli on the line with us. Christian, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you, gentlemen? I'm, I'm good. I'm a new father. I know we haven't talked since last December. Chris dropped it on me right before we brought you in. It's been a while, sir. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Congratulations on the new addition to the family. I'm sure you're uh, in the process of being very sleep-deprived, but it's a beautiful thing, so congratulations. Caffeine caffeine solves a lot of life's problems, my friend. <laughs> And on, t- and, and, on top- and on top of that, everyone's like, oh, Drew's going to soften up. He's going to change. It's going to change him as a person. I'll say this. It's changed me as how I see- in terms of how I see the world, in terms of my the le- finding a level of patience I didn't know existed. But I just hope people don't kid themselves because it literally stops at my front door. <laughs> I, it's like a hat <laughs> that I take off before I leave the house for the day. <laughs> oh. That's great. How is the married life treating you, sir? It's excellent. Very very good. Um, no complaints at all. We are trying for a little, uh, as, as Italians say, a little bambina or bambino of ourselves. So hopefully that's coming down the pipeline soon. But, um, yeah, well, no complaints at all. All is, all is good, you know, with the exception of this mass pandemic that's just absolutely throwing the whole world um, on its axis. Um, we're good. We're well, good, thank you. Well, I'm glad to hear that you guys are making it through all of this okay, because it's been a while since we talked. For for new listeners, maybe those of you who jumped on over the summer, got involved over this period of the draft process and everything else, Christian Simonelli, Patriots fan extraordinaire, he's in rarefied air, considering he's one of only two Patriots fans that we actually allow on these airwaves. I'll fight everybody else with my bare hands. But he's one of the few that we allowed to come on this show. <laughs> He was the he, he was a big follower of the oh, what was it the PFF five uh, P- PFW PFW right PFW in progress show and he was actually a co host there once or twice he knows what he's talking about he's a Patriots fan but he's one of the few Patriots fans to that I've known to be a pragmatist and so in that way we have to bring him on here to talk about some of this nonsense because Chris I'm going to call it nonsense. Yeah, well, Christian, I think, has been on our show. He's been on our show probably since, like, 16. And even back then, Christian, I've heard you calling for, like, yeah, Tom Brady is his days are days are coming. You've <laughs> always, as long as you've been on the show, you have been preparing yourself for life without Brady, and it is finally here, and we couldn't be more excited. Well, you know, unlike most Patriots fans, I am a realist. And, you know, I do understand that 20 years of success is absolutely absurd. And I think that in today's NFL, if you could even get five years of sustained success, that's doing something. So I feel like everything after the first 10 years was gravy. So I was always expecting it to be the end, um, you know, from like year 10 on, put it that way. Well, here's what I'll say. In terms of Tom Brady, we brought... Uh, PatsPulpit.com and Locked On Patriots podcaster Mark Schofield. He's known in the draft community. He's well-known in the scouting community. He's well-known to Patriots fans who follow podcasts and blogs. He's written for him. Chris, I think he's written for almost every publication online that exists at this point. Yeah, he's I the, think so. He's the man <laughs> with 19 spinning plates. But he's great. And again, he's the only other Patriots fan we allow on this podcast. 
We brought him on this show the week of free agency to put the boots to him over the end of the Brady era. Just, just the Brady era coming to an end in Foxborough. And now it's your turn. <laughs> what is it like for you as a fan? I mean, we've constantly heckled you about the day it happens. What was your immediate response to Tom Brady leaving the New England Patriots? Um, Tampa Bay, you know, <laughs> and I just I turned my head like a dog, like trying to figure out what what a human was saying. I, and I just sat there and I said, "The Tampa Bay Buccaneers." I said, first thought that popped to my head was, "A, he really wanted out of here," and B. He really wanted out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to be here anymore. He had it. He had it with Bill. He was done. Bill was done with him. It was time to go. Um, and I was just stunned that it was Tampa Bay. Really was stunned that it was Tampa Bay. Um, I, I thought from the longest time going all the way back to 2017 that if Bill wanted him, um, Bill would have signed him to a four-year extension like he previously had done, and he wouldn't have given him that fracocked of $5 million incentive-laden, uh, you know, deal that he did at the end of training camp, and, uh, you know, which Brady hit none of the incentives, by the way, and didn't collect any of the $5 million at all. So <laughs> the writing was on the wall, but Tampa Bay was uh, was a shock. Now, so, so that's a shock. Patriots fans everywhere are in turmoil, but in true Patriot fan fashion, I already, like, as soon as it happened, you started hearing the talk about, well, we, it doesn't matter because we got Jared Stidham and we got Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, Jared Stidham, Super Bowl. Super Super Bowl. Super. How, 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 do, how do you people pronounce it up there? Well, I, I pronounce it Super Bowl. Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the few words that they can't screw up there in, in Massachusetts. But... How long did it come around? Did it take you to come around, or did you come around at all to the idea of Jared Stidham being the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots, the man responsible for picking up the mantle of a Hall of Famer? Um, I, I hung my head for about a week, and then I started eating up all the local media reports from the local guys like Mike Reese and Tommy Curran about how much um, you know the Patriots like Stidham, and um, also, by the way. Uh, you know, you started getting reports from the team, uh, the Devin McCordys of the world saying, hey, yeah, you know, and uh, in practice, Stid, you know, really showed, you know, that he could lead the, lead the scout offense and uh, all the positive vibes there. So I bought in pretty quickly because the Patriots media, media spin was in, was in full swing. And then all that evaporated last night around 7 o'clock. Um, as soon as the Patriots signed Cam Newton, um, all that just completely evaporated into thin air. <laughs> And that's the side of this that Bills fans don't get to see. I mean, people who listen to our show don't listen to me because I'm the smartest guy in the world. I mean, just before we started recording, I told Chris, as I poured the wrong type of ice, for shame, that I used the wrong ice in the beer bucket as I'm getting ready to do the show. I told Chris, what do you want from me? I'm a dumb man. I'm not smart. You said white bin. There's three white bins. I just picked one. He's like, well, clearly you would make better decisions. No, I won't. Because I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm a I am a fan. I'm a fan, and I love this football team. I know that you guys, as Patriots fans, you feel some of that, and I think that Bills fans. If I were to sit here and just bloviate about all the ways I, I, I this doesn't move the needle for me, it would just come off as one more person who's just hey, this is my spin because I'm so 
I'm such a Bills fan that I can't allow this to shape my worldview or shake the way I view football or the state of the division. So I want to hear it from you as a fan. In As a Patriots fan, you haven't even had a full 24 hours yet to digest this, this happening. Right. <laughs> First of all, it does kind of throw all of the stuff, all of the window dressing that the Patriots organization tried to do about Jared Stidham and our faith in him, it throws it right out the window, doesn't it? It really does, and it throws the whole approach and offseason as well. Um, they didn't draft the quarterback. You know, they went out. They got a couple tight ends. They got a couple of defensive players. They got a freaking kicker. <laughs> they didn't draft the quarterback. When you say it like that, it so, almost sounds it, it sounds bad when you say it like that. <laughs> a freaking kicker. I'll say it again. <laughs> and... Um, they were going into the season with Stidham one and Brian, I'll use it again, freaking Hoyer two. Okay. This is a guy that can't throw the ball 10 yards, but he knows the Patriot system. And the whole spin with Hoyer was, uh, well, it's an off season with in the age of COVID that you're not going to be able to get, um, you know, guys together for off season training and everything is going to be through zoom. So you need a guy in here that knows the system. So it makes all the sense in the world to, on July 28th, uh, excuse me, June 28th, to go ahead and sign a guy that's never played a down in your system before for an incentive laden deal and have him come in to be a day one star. It makes perfect sense. Perfect sense <laughs> of the world. Hey, that's, hey, can I say this? It seems very unbilicekian. The timing of it does, but the player doesn't. The timing of it, Bill usually likes to get guys in the system get them early, you know, get them acclimated to the Patriots way of doing things. But the player itself um, does not. And and I used two comparisons that immediately jumped out to me when I thought of the signing. Randy Moss and Rodney Harrison. Two guys that for all intents and purposes at the time of their careers were done. They were done. Age, attitude, injury, done came here, they resurrected their careers. That's what I relate the signing to, is that type of situation. A one-year prove-it deal, and that's what Bill loves. Bill loves reclamation projects. Bill loves versatile players. That's what Cam Newton is. The timing of it, like I said, um, not ideal, not Belichickian, but the player, perfect, perfect, perfect Belichick player. I, I, I can hear some of that. I, I'm willing to hear a little bit of that. Okay. I also look at it and I say, it, it from a value standpoint, let me take my fandom out of this for a second. Chris, I think I'd, you could agree with me on this. If we were to remove the fact that we're Bills fans and you look at just from a perceived value standpoint, this I get where a lot of these talking heads that we just talked a lot of smack about I get where they're coming from, because in your head, this is a great deal from a perceived value standpoint. You're getting a former starting quarterback on a contract that's next to nothing. Not just a former starter. This isn't an Andy Dalton. This is a guy who was a league MVP less than half a decade ago. Right. So with that said, on its face, this does, from a value, just strictly value standpoint, seem like a win for the Patriots. Can you follow me there, Chris? 
Yeah, I can follow you, but you know what's going to happen if the Patriots kind of put out, and a lot of it has to do with Cam Newton. Are they going to? Was it? What's that uh, quote? The Brinks truck. Well, I and here's the thing. I saw the I saw right. it come out shortly where the Patriots, you know, they got handed down their punishment today for the whole taping fiasco. Spygate two, they were calling convenient it. To, convenient timing, by the way. Exactly. Get into very, that a little later, very, but very convenient timing. Very convenient timing of the news releases. But Adam Schefter's already tweeted out the the scenario already exists. Where now, because they have Cam Newton on the roster. As long as he hits the playing time metrics and the things that are necessary for him to count towards the uh, compensatory pick measure, the pick they lost this offseason because of the Spygate thing could be replenished if Cam Newton goes out next year and signs a lucrative, a lucrative contract as a free agent. They would get a third-round pick almost by default. If someone were to sign him to a two-year you know, two fully guaranteed you know, $20 million a year deal. They're guaranteed a third-round pick. I see that, and I say to myself, okay, that's playing money ball. That seems very Belichickian. I get that. Beyond that is where everything falls apart for me and where I want to have you sit here while I bring to you, I crack a fresh beer, and I throw some cold water on this whole thing. Reasons that this signing doesn't mean a damn thing. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Chris, <laughs> let's tee this thing off. First of all, pre-injury Cam Newton, not so great. Not, <laughs> not a world beater. Chris, here's a tweet from ESPN six hours ago. Imagine 2015 MVP version of Cam Newton playing for the Patriots. 3,800 passing yards, 35 passing touchdowns and 10 interceptions, 636 rush yards, 10 rushing touchdowns, 15 and 1 win-loss record. <sighs> Chris, I those numbers would get you excited as a fan, correct? Yeah. If you had just inherited a quarterback who was coming off that type of a season. Yeah. Unfortunately, we are not talking about that type of a quarterback. Cam Newton in his last 8 starts is 0 and 8 with 9 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Now, Simonelli, <laughs> hearing these two things, what do you think as a fan? How does it affect the way you see this? Um, it's 2020, not 2015. That's the first thing I think of when you say that. It's five years ago, which is basically a career in the NFL. It's a lifetime ago. Um, you certainly look at his injuries um, to his foot and his shoulder and have some pause today. Towards like the middle of the afternoon, we started to get again, giving you the local perspective, the local spin that Belichick um, had reached out to North Turner to get his take on Cam Newton. And he basically told Belichick that, you know, hey, when I was there with Carolina before the injury set in, he was six and two and he was soaring. He was Cam. And which leads to the narrative that the injuries were a result of, you know, the last nine games. Um, and the record that he had and the touchdown to interception ratio that he was just a real banged up player. He's got a lot of tread on his tires. We all know that. He's gotten absolutely shellacked. Um, never had a real lot of talent around him. <laughs> that hasn't changed here. He's not going to have a whole lot of talent around him here either. Um, well, exactly. So I am, I am curious to see how quickly he acclimates to the system and how quickly he buys into 
you know, what Belichick and McDaniels are going to be selling. And that's one of the problems is that he's got warts coming into a situation where you don't even know what it is they're going to be selling. He had accuracy issues. I mean, driving over here to record this podcast and I'm listening to ESPN radio and you have callers who were Carolina fans who are saying, look, I watched Cam. It's not a, it's not an arm strength issue. It's that he was missing open receivers. He was inaccurate. I mean, Chris, not for nothing, the last year in 2017, you look at the numbers. His completion percentage was lower than Josh Allen threw last year. He only played, what, two games last year? Yeah, no, no, but I'm saying the last year he played a full season. Oh. His completion percentage was lower than Josh Allen's last year. And for some reason, the national media loves to jump all over Josh Allen because his completion percentage means he's a bad quarterback. Yet these same voices are saying, well, Cam Newton, he's going to be great because the mystique around Bill Belichick gives moves like this. Chris, it pumps them up. it's It's like taking steroids for a narrative. Well, because Bill Belichick did it, it must be a better idea. If you look at the numbers, he wasn't that much better than Josh Allen the last time he played a full season. He threw more picks and just as many touchdowns. The yardage was similar, and he had a worse completion percentage. So to say now that pre-injury cam wasn't that great, in the way that you hear them talking about suddenly this move makes them Super Bowl contenders, it's crazy to me. And then you think about, Chris, what was going on with him at the time. He had an identity crisis. They tried to make him a pocket passer because of all the all the contact he was absorbing. They knew it was going to wreck his career if he kept taking hits. I remember one. It was from the Broncos linebacker Shaq Barrett. It was the I think it was the opening game the year after the Broncos won the Super Bowl, and they played the Panthers in Mile High Stadium. Shaq, Cam Newton scrambles out of the pocket, but he's not scrambling as a runner. He's scrambling as a passer. Eyes downfield, trying to throw the ball. Shaq Barrett lowers his helmet and goes helmet to helmet with Cam Newton. That goes on to be a game where he takes like three or four shots that I, you would see, if it was Tom Brady, you would see laundry all over the field. And instead, they put the flags away because it's Cam Newton. And they said, well, he's a running threat, so you have to hit him. And we need to allow that as a football league. Now, maybe that'll change now that he's in a Patriots uniform because we know the way the zebras love to protect you guys. But with that said, <laughs> they had a real identity crisis as far as what they were going to do with Cam. And I think they, they, he couldn't be a pocket passer. So then they tried to make him this weird tweener between a, a play action rollout kind of mobile quarterback and a guy who can stand in the pocket on a three step drop and wait five seconds and then throw the ball. It just didn't happen. And it, it went on to kind of wreck him as a quarterback. So. I don't know what they're going to do with this guy. But that said, the Cam you're getting is not primetime Cam Newton. And then to your point, something you just said. The team that he was playing on in 2015 is not the New England Patriots in 2020. The weakness of the Patriots' current roster, specifically on defense, is going to make a huge difference in this move. We've made a lot about what the Patriots have lost this offseason over various podcasts. But the Patriots are fielding, in my opinion, and you I want your opinion on this, Simonelli, one of the weaker rosters they've had under Bill Belichick. True or false? No, it's absolutely true. Yeah. For our listeners. Yeah, absolutely true. This is this is the weakest offensive skill position. Um skill position that when I include 
tight end and wide receiver. Tight end and wide receiver, these are the weakest tight end and wide receiver positions I can ever remember. See, and that's got to be terrifying for people who are these diehard Patriots fans, Chris. I mean, here's my notes from when we last roasted Mark Schofield over this. Here's everything the Patriots lost this offseason. Linebacker Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins, your two starting, two of your starters. Defensive tackle Danny Shelton, your starting center last year, Ted Karras. Hall of Fame quarterback Tom Brady. Deron Harmon is a safety. Michael Bennett is a depth defensive end. Philip Dorsett, for whatever he was worth, you know, I think they got, he, when they traded for him, I thought it was ridiculous because the man shouldn't have been a first-round draft pick. He's a bad wide receiver. Linebacker Landon Roberts, who was somebody who was kind of a Swiss Army knife of sorts for the defense. Defensive back Nate Ebner leaves, who was a standout special teamer. He goes to join their special teams coach in, in New York with the Giants. Statistically, and I want to get your take on this, Simonelli, as I read this back. Here's what figuratively and statistically you guys lost. Two team captains, 24 passing touchdowns, and the seventh best interception percentage in the NFL. 15 starts at center. The only wide receiver on the roster from last season who was targeted more than 10 times to not drop the ball. 80% of the snaps at two different linebacker positions. (laughs) 108 (laughs) combined games started on defense across the whole defense. 262 tackles, 6 forced fumbles, 5 picks, 24 tackles for a loss, 57 quarterback pressures, and 20 sacks. And you replaced all of that with bit players and rookies. (laughs) What about that instills confidence in you as a Patriots fan about the direction of the 2020 Patriots before Cam Newton got here? The only thing that inspires confidence in me is that they needed to get younger, and they did. Um, you just mentioned a lot of production that walked out the door. That's a lot of um, production on both sides of the ball, particularly on defense. I want to say they really lost a lot on offense. They lost more bodies on offense than anything. They didn't really lose production on offense because they weren't a productive offense last year. But defensively, definitely. Um, this offense is geared around the tight end. This offense is not geared around Julian Edelman. I get in arguments with, with Patriots fans all the time, but told them to make the offense that makes the offense go. No, it was Gronk and the tight ends that make the offense go that opens up spots for Edelman. Okay? So when you have arguably the best tight end in the game for almost a decade, and then you replace him with two stiffs who are basically bus drivers, and you go from <laughs> a top 10 team in the league in uh, tight end production to 32nd. And we're all scratching our heads. Gee, why did the offense struggle last year? The whole basis of this offense, going all the way back to 2002 with guys like Benjamin Watson and friggin' Dan Graham with tight ends. They drafted two tight ends this year. I like that step, in, uh, the, the, you know, that they took to get bodies to that position. I like the young defensive players that they, that they, that they drafted at, at the edge. And obviously at safety, you know, sort of a jack-of-all-trades there. It seems like a Swiss Army knife type defender. They needed to get younger and faster, and they did. But with that comes inexperience. And I can tell you that Belichick is not patient when it comes to, you know, people learning. You hit the ground running, you go, and that's it. If you don't, you get pulled out. If you don't acclimate it to, the, to you know, and pick it up real quick, he'll find somebody else. And sometimes he's stubborn to a fault in that, and he'll put somebody in there who sucks. But they just know when they play the position and they know what to do and they don't screw up. But they suck and they're slow and they get beat. But that's what Belichick does. Um, I'm inspired by the youth movement. But, yeah, you know, that's a lot that left. 
for so for 2020, your hopes weren't all of all that bright before Cam Newton gets here. And yet he shows up. Oh, my God, they're Super Bowl contenders. Never mind you that they're bringing back a tight end room with two rookies that are probably going to start because last year's tight ends. I, I looked up the numbers. I was making fun of Schofield about this. I'm not above it. I'll pick on other people because I'm petty. I'm a petty man. It's what drives <laughs> me. It's what gets me out of bed in the morning. The tight ends for the Patriots combined for 19 first downs and one touchdown for an entire NFL season. That's that's atrocious. That That's laughable, especially for a Bill Belichick team, like you said, that thrives off tight end production. So it's not hard to see what went wrong there. But nothing new has changed other than you now have a new quarterback who's going to throw to a bunch of stiffs. Bus drivers. I like that. I'm stealing it. <laughs> it's a nice classification for guys. It's yours. <laughs> so moving on. I mean, I think we can agree that this Patriots team was going to be watered down regardless of who the quarterback was. I mean, you saw what they did in the draft. The youth movement's great if you're a Patriots fan who's looking towards the future. But if you're looking for this team to all of a sudden find their way to a Super Bowl, I just, I don't know how Patriots fans get excited about that. But it's happening. Can you describe what that's like locally? <laughs> it's it's maddening. You know, I turn on the radio today. It, 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 you know, I get up 6.30 in the morning and you got people calling in, you know, Playoff push, Super Bowl tickets, and I'm like, am I awake? Am, am I am I up yet? What what is, what are these people talking about? Like, we don't even know if this kid can pick up the offense. We have no idea what idea Josh is going to do with him, and and you know what he wants to do with him and how he's going to respond to that. Um, take a deep breath. I love I love getting the player. You know, he was a great talent. I love the move. You know. Great upside, you know, low risk, all that stuff. But people go out of their minds because, again, it gets back to that whole thing. You know, you mentioned it like, you know, Belichick sprinkles his little pixie dust on it, and all of a sudden it's the it's the greatest move and the greatest thing since sliced bread. If this was, if he was so intent on doing this, Belichick, why didn't he do it in April? Exactly. What did he wait till June twenty eighth for? Exactly, you hit it on the head for me, and this is why I love you. We can bring you in cold with no prep. And you're, it's like you're reading my notes in front of me. Cause I'm looking at my, my next point here. Reason number three why I think that this is, Chris, why this doesn't, Chris, why I texted my uncle what I texted him back in response moments afterwards. Why it moves the needle nowhere for me. Change an offensive scheme. Okay. Look at this. In an unprecedented season, in an unprecedented offseason, in a global pandemic, where football teams cannot do the off-season work that they're used to, the Patriots are going to have to install a completely different offensive attack if they want to take advantage of the things that Cam Newton is good at. His, he has a very, let's call a spade a spade, his specific skill set. Mm-hmm. It, it's not that it's bad, it's just that it's unorthodox. Because he's, a, he's essentially built like a linebacker. He's a super athletic guy when he's healthy. He's absorbed a lot of contact over his career, but when he's in his when he's good, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this from a standpoint of him being 100% healthy. Even then, <laughs> he's a very different quarterback than what the Patriots have had for 20 years. I'm not expecting Cam Newton to drop back and get rid of the ball within two and a half seconds. No, this it was never his strong suit. They used a lot of moving pockets in order to let Cam Newton play to his strengths. 
they have to tear up their Earhart Perkins system as they knew it formerly. Now, that's not to say it can't be done, Chris, because I would be a hypocrite. Josh Allen is doing some Cam Newton-esque things in terms of being the quarterback who, when he rolls out of the pocket, he's deadly because he buys time for his receivers and he's got a strong arm that allows him to fit the ball places or do things that other quarterbacks can't do. So that's not to say the Earhart Perkins system can't work with Cam Newton. But Cam Newton's never been a student of the game. Cam Newton has been an athlete first, a quarterback second. That's just been his lot. He can make some accurate throws into tight windows. I'll give him that. But the place he struggled here at the NFL level, and the reason he's only ever been to one Super Bowl, and it took the league's best defense. Chris, the the year they made the Super Bowl, they had the league's most dominant defense. Yes. Didn't hurt that it was coached by Sean McDermott. Just throwing it out there. But... (laughs) The thing that he did, it doesn't fit anything the Patriots are built for or that they've schematically done well over the course of, or that they've ever tried to do over the course of the last 20 years. So now you're going to try to rip up your old offensive game plan and start it all over again new if he truly is your starting quarterback. So with that said, how confident are you that he can come in here and just all of a sudden they're going to have a good idea of what to do with him? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Um, how confident am I in, in the coaching? I'm confident in the coaching. I've seen the coaching, uh, you know, year in and year out. Take players that, you know, they have a saying around New England, don't tell me what the guy can't do. Tell me what he can do mm-hmm. in the scouting department. So they're going to create an offense to suit his needs and surround him with, with plays in the best possible way to allow him to succeed and the team to succeed. Yeah, you're right. The Ron Earhart, you know, Ray Perkins system, that's out, that's out the window here. You're not going to see, you know, uh, the ball get released, like Chris said, in two seconds and, and under two seconds. And it, it, this is not going to be the Tom Brady offense at all. So I'm curious to see what Josh does because, um, you know, Josh was, if you believe all the reports, was infatuated with Lamar Jackson and had several uh, visits with Lamar Jackson and his people uh, the, the year that he was drafted. So um I'm curious to see what Josh does. Josh has never succeeded um, with the exception of six games in Denver without Brady, without the quarterbacks. He's done it for little stretches. He won a game with two with Jimmy G. Jacoby Rossetti won a game with. He was awful in St. Louis. He was awful after the six games in Denver. And since he's had Tom Brady, um, you know, that's really what's made his career. Everybody is, points to the 2008 year with Castle when Brady got injured, coming off the undefeated season. That team went 11 and five. I firmly believe that if Tom Brady was healthy again in 2008, they go 16 and 0 again. Th- that that's team how, that schedule was, was a, that they played, but the team was that a much better. They played was terrible. That team was but a much better football team. That right, Matt Castle good. team was a more. They had the law firm Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, a player that I'll never forget because his name is long ridiculous, hard to spell, and at the same time, he was a multifaceted weapon for that offense. And I look at the current offense and I go, I don't don't see it. I just don't see it. I don't see the things that would make them a similar team. I don't see it on defense. I don't see a front seven that's deep. But you, like the Schwab that you are for this podcast, which is why we love just tapping you for these types of things, (laughs) you talked about Josh McDaniels in Denver. I've heard national pundits talk about, well, Josh McDaniels did it with Tim Tebow and won a playoff game, so he can do it with Cam. They had Demarius Thomas in his prime. 
right. How dare you besmirch <laughs> the name of Demarius Thomas by saying you what you're going to compare Hakeem Butler to Demarius Thomas in his prime? That's sin. You should be slapped in the mouth for that. I, I know places where people would fight you over something that egregious. They had a legitimate defense. So don't act like McDaniels just strolled out here, took Tim Tebow, a pocket full of straw, some burnt mashes, and a wish, and made them win, led them to a playoff victory. That's not how it happened. That's revisionist history, and I hate it. Ultimately, they had pieces that this Patriots team can't give Cam Newton. There is no Demarius Thomas. There is no, there's no, there's just not a lot there to work with. And it's going to be hard for McDaniels to call the same type of playbook or same style of offense. That's not to say he can't do it, but you're facing more questions than answers with this than I think a lot of fans want to let on. You said something else. And again, it's on my list. Chris, blocking style. Here's the thing. Joe Thomas, Hall of Fame left tackle for the, excuse me, Oh, Chris's beer is going down way too easy. He had left tackle for the Cleveland Browns. He was noted as saying that trying to move positions on the offensive line or to do things differently than you've spent your career doing them. Because, Simonelli, to your point, the Patriots have made their hay off finding guys who they say, listen, he's not the most multifaceted athlete in the world, but can he do this one thing well? And how can I take this one thing and tweak it to fit my needs? That's it. That's all Belichick asks. You do the thing that I specifically brought you in here to do at a high level. And if you do that, we'll win a lot of football games. Because I'll get all 11 guys doing what they do at a high level. That's enough to overcome most rosters. You're talking about... Joe Thomas once said, changing offensive assignments, blocking schemes, and position, it's like trying to wipe your ass with the other hand. (laughs) try it think about it chris i'm a right-hander i wipe right-handed if i tried to wipe left-handed i don't know how that would go i'm pretty sure it would just end embarrassingly for me yeah you wouldn't be very accurate (laughs) left-handed so in that way you're bringing in a different type of athlete for a different type of offense you bring in a new offense there's no guarantee that this offensive line can do it chris do you remember rick dennison in 2017 with the buffalo bills I got a lot of clips on you oh. and Rick Dennison. I wanted him to turn feather and run out of town. <laughs> he had this zone blocking scheme and some really poor wide receiver concepts. And then when they tried to bring in a new style of offense with the offensive line that was previously in place without some of its best players, no Eric Wood, no Richie Incognito, and now a whole new scheme, even some of the things that had previously worked stopped working. <laughs> Just because they weren't the, they were bit players. You found out very quickly who your actual talents were and who were the guys who were only ever designed to play one type of football. And that's why you saw the huge revamp in the offensive line in the 20, the run up to the 2019 season for the Bills. The Patriots are essentially going to go out there now with a month to learn it, a month or two. All of these offensive linemen are going to find out whether or not they're still doing the same job they were doing last year. And if they're doing it the same way, if the technique has to change, do you know how hard that is? And yet that's supposed to be, that's the group that's going to be the backbone of this offense. Because this team, when you go back to the Matt Castle years, 
what did they do? They ran the ball, played good defense, and Matt Castle didn't screw the pooch. Would you agree with me on that, Simonelli? Right. They actually had, I think, the second most rushing yards in team history that year. Um, and they ran the ball. Castle, at the, towards the end of the year, had back-to-back 400-yard games, but for the longest time, he was really just a caretaker, you know, for the offense. Add to, you know, the concern from a Patriots point of view and a fan's point of view, you know, to what you're talking about. Um, my buddy Scar retired again. So we don't have the benefit of the best offensive line coach uh, in the history of the game. For Bills fans, no who, longer here. For Bills fans who weren't lucky enough to hear his old intro before we had to scrap it, Scarnecchia. It was a recording of him yeah. saying Dante Scarnecchia, and it's one of those things where when you hear him say it, you can't. Anybody who ever said, "Oh, this guy, he's a, he's not a real Patriots fan," you brought in some shill. Just no, no. When you hear him say the name Scarnecchia, you know he's he's a Boston guy. He's one, he's one of them. Ah, <laughs> oh, but so I he, am, and I'm, I I make no bones about it at all. And you know that clip included. Uh, me praising him for making Marcus Cannon a player, I will now say with absolute certainty that since Scar is no longer here, Marcus Cannon is going to go back to being an absolute turnstile and is going to suck. Oh my God, you were so mad about him. And I was so happy when they resigned him and then Scar came back and he became a serviceable guy. <laughs> so with that said, there's already, there's so many, and I guess where I come from in this is not from a place. I mean, I guess... If we're going to wrap up this whole conversation, Chris, because I've already decried the move. I've told everyone how I feel. I've given some evidence as to why I feel this way. Chris, Cam Newton in the AFC. It moved the Vegas lines. It, it was something, I think, in an offseason where there's not a whole lot going on. It, it was something for people to get riled up about again in terms of football. I get why it would be perceived as a seismic shift in the lands shift in the landscape of the AFC East. How do you feel about it, having heard all of this? I, what you put on Twitter last night, I was like, I was telling somebody at work today. I was like, I was thinking the same thing that Drew put on Twitter. Wayne Newton, Isaac Newton, Fig Newton. It does not matter. This does not move the needle for me. It doesn't move the needle for me at all. I, full disclosure, I was probably about nine drinks deep when I tweeted that. It was perfect. That's how I feel. I don't care that Cam Newton's back there. He's not going to make a difference. Christian, your thoughts. Final thoughts if we're going to put a bow in this conversation. Patriots fan... You've heard all of my reasons why I just don't feel... Let me hear it from you first. Hey, it's the biggest cliche in Patriot Nation, but, you know, I've, I've ridden, ridden the ship for 20 years. I'm going to continue to ride it, and Bill we trust. I'm going to entrust in Bill's 40-plus years of coaching that he's going to find a way to maximize whatever Newton's got left and put the team in a position to be competitive a lot more than, competitive than I thought the 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, at best that they were going to be with the league's toughest schedule. I thought getting it 8-8 eight eight or 9-7 was just going to be solely the, 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 the coaching of Belichick and being able to out-scheme, which is usually typical about half the coaches in the year don't know what they're doing. So that's why I counted for eight wins because usually he goes up against coaches that have no idea. And then the other eight are somewhat competent are on his levels, a couple are on his level, like Andy Reid, and will give him fits. Um, 
And Bill, we trust, babe. We'll see what happens. And Bill, we trust. Look, for people who think that I'm being a negative Nancy just because I'm a Bills fan, I want to take that out of it for a second. I just want to talk about this pragmatically. Just as a guy who understands the game of football, I guess the thing that riled me up the most, taking my Bills fandom out of it, is this concept that everyone, for those of you who are hearing me throw cold water on this, it's not because I genuinely believe that this won't be something. It's just that I spent the last 24 hours being told by everyone with a platform that suddenly this makes them Super Bowl contenders. That this means that they have the inside track to the AFC East as a division. Chris, to me, that's a knee-jerk reaction in and to itself that nobody needs. I think it's a wild overreaction. I think there are more questions here I think COVID and the the lack of sports conversation going on, actual tangible football stuff has kind of, it's been a little bit of fuel to the fire that this thing is now burning with. But this concept that Cam Newton is suddenly the thing that takes them from pretender to contender, I don't buy it. I don't buy it one bit. I think it's, I think it's conflated. I think it's overblown. And again, not as a Bills fan, but as a guy who appreciates football. I think there are so many more questions that these hot take factories that exist out there aren't taking into consideration when it comes to a signing like this and what it actually means on the field for the New England Patriots when it comes to the execution of how you win games in 2020. Then they're willing to admit. Chris, right now it's just something fun to talk about for these Patriots fans, for beat reporters, for ESPN's, again... First just, take, the, the first, first takes things the first, Skip and Shannon, all that nonsense. <laughs> yep. With that said, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Right now, the the <laughs> odds just fell, and now the Bills are underdogs betting once again. Once again, we are Vegas non-favorites to win the division. So, Bills fans, remember when we were even? Go make that money. Go make that money. <laughs> Find yourself a betting outlet and go make that money. Christian, thank you so much for stopping by tonight. It's always fun talking to a pragmatic Patriots fan, the rare breed that you are. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you on social media? Because, guys, if you give them a follow, you're going to have a lot of entertaining conversation (laughs) like we do every single time our two teams get together. Well, I appreciate that. If you feel like follow me at Chris with a T I A N on Twitter. All right, you can go find Patriots Super Fan and PFW in Progress, if that's still the show name. <laughs> They're uh, one of their top callers, Christian on Twitter. Chris with a T I A N. I love Christian because he represents what a pragmatic football fan is. He loves his fan base. He enjoys every single one of those Super Bowls the Patriots won, but he's willing to come out here and have a conversation with us about the... He's not pandering. Instead, he's having legitimate conversation with us about the things he feels as a fan, which is what we do with you guys every single week. Chris, I don't care about this Cam Newton signing as it pertains to the Buffalo Bills. No, I don't think it's that big of a deal. The Buffalo Bills are well-equipped to handle what, what the New England Patriots are trotting out there. You're talking about a football team that decided that 
when they decided they were going to go with Jared Stidham and not draft a developmental quarterback last year, they made a choice to live and die by this idea that, hey, we know we just got lighter in the pants in our front seven. We got a little bit lighter in the jeans, but we have a very good secondary. And we're going to live and die by running the ball, playing defense, and protecting a green quarterback. And then, in a departure from that, they go out and get Cam Newton, who is still inheriting the same roster that we talked about a couple weeks ago as being a rebuild in New England. Yeah. The best backfield? Compared to what? Compared to what? The best defense? Far from it. The yeah. defense they fielded last year is not what they will field in 2020. Yeah, what did you say Tannenbaum had said? Best, best, <sighs> yeah, best back in the division, one of the best in the NFL. You know, uh, I'm pretty sure Baltimore has a good running game. I'm pretty Even sure. Even with their quarterback. Does Sony Michelle actually play a full 16 games ever? I don't. Like ever? The Patriots seem to use their running backs based on the team that they're playing. That's why they're always a bad play in fantasy, because you never know if it's going to be James White or Sony Michelle. Ultimately, when you take all of the things we just discussed with Christian into account, and you take a look at the Buffalo Bills roster, think back to our show about continuity rankings. Think about why it is that the national media has piled on to us as the favorites in this division. This signing does nothing to change any of that, Chris. None of it. In fact, if anything, to me... If I can close this show with a thought. For you Bills fans out there thinking the sky is falling, oh my God, all of a sudden we're back in the trenches with the New England Patriots. Think about this. If you were a pragmatic person, which Chris, I think we all see Bill Belichick as a shrewd head coach slash GM, correct? Yeah. If you were a shrewd man with a bad football team or at least a mediocre football team, with Jared Stidham behind that team, they are not, you know, we heard Christian Simonelli, he co-signed it. This is not the team that went 11-5 and and missed the playoffs. That team was so much more talented. This is legitimately a six-win football team, maybe seven, on a good day. If a lot of bounces go their way. You added a quarterback in Cam Newton to that mix. Chris, this was your shot, if you were Bill Belichick, to say, hey, we lost this Hall of Fame talent. No one's going to blame me if we do poorly. I have a bad roster, or at least a mediocre roster. I could pack it in for a year, let this kid earn his stripes and see if Jaron Stidham is a real NFL quarterback. And if he doesn't, if he pans out, then great. I just hit a home run. I'm set up for the future. It's cheap. I look like a genius. If I'm wrong, no one will blame me when I go into the draft and I leverage draft future considerations to go get one of these a Justin Fields from Ohio, from Ohio State. You're never going to get into the Trevor Lawrence conversation. But you can get to a Justin Fields or some of the other starting caliber quarterbacks that are touted to be in this next draft class. Instead, you go out and you sign a quarterback that if he's as advertised, if he's everything that this you know, these pundits think he might be, if he's 2015 Cam Newton, you're still probably a nine-win team in this division. Maybe ten. Chris, where does that leave you? Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't know. Maybe two months ago, 
you know, when, when this whole Cam being a free agent thing, free agent was a thing. I do remember listening to Cowherd on Fox Sports Radio talk about what you had just mentioned, Belichick kind of tanking and then trading up all of these picks and compensatory picks to get Trevor Lawrence. Mark That's Schofield not- planted the seed after the free, in the free agency show that we did back in March. Planted the seed that this team will be so bad that we'll be in the Trevor Lawrence conversation. The next, and that the next dynasty could really plant roots and start to grow. I don't ever believe that if to be an were, actual thing. Well, but here's the thing. All. Well, the Colts did it. They Curtis painted their way to Andrew Luck, which is why I think karma bit them in the ass. But ultimately, the Patriots had a window where they could have said, hey, look, we're going to take this one on the chin for 2020. Next year, we have a ton of cap. We have draft considerations. We can go out and we can get ourselves a new quarterback and start another dynasty run. Instead, you make a move that I think is short-sighted and desperate. I'll use the word. It's a desperate move. I think it says more. Hot take coming. (laughs) Hot take coming. I think it says more about Bill Belichick and what he perceives his own window to be than it says about the New England Patriots and the direction of the organization. I think this is a move, yes, from a value perspective. Sure, you got good value. But if you're going to trot this guy out there and let Chris, he's what? Two wins better than Jared Stidham, maybe three? Yeah. At this point in his career? Yeah. Okay. So he's going to play you out of consideration for a future quarterback. So what is it that you're playing for? An 8-8 eight and eight season. Exactly my point. If anything, this smacks of desperation to me. This is Bill Belichick showing his ass. Showing his ass to the whole country and saying, look, I want to win so badly right now. I don't know if that has to do with Brady going to a team that looks like it could contend because it's stocked with talent. I don't know if that has to do with just his mental makeup in the sense that he'll never tap. He'll never say, I'll have a bad season. Chris, he's never done it. He's never had to in 20 years. What the, but, but there again, the people who want to sprinkle that dust, like he's like Simonelli said, sprinkle the pixie dust over everything Bilicek does and mystify every decision he makes because he's so good. We've never really gotten to see what his decision making is without a Hall of Fame quarterback. Maybe this is the first of a string of bad decisions. Let me be a contrarian. What if this is his desperate... Just a Hail Mary at, hey, I still want to be relevant because I can't handle losing. And I don't know how much more longer, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here to hold down this job. Chris, if anything, this signing to me says, it says more about Bill Belichick being in his own head than it does about where the Buffalo Bills are. We still control this division. We're still the most complete roster. We're still the most complete coaching staff. The most tenured, with the least amount of turnover. Chris, take those continuity rankings. The only thing saving the Patriots was that Jared Stidham was on the roster last year. Now you're throwing that out the window. You're tearing up everything along with it. Seagram's bet. This move has disaster written all over it. Yeah, I would agree with you. So I'm (sighs) not going to take that bet. Any of you out there who think otherwise, go ahead, tweet at us, at Rockpile Report on Twitter. Folks, tonight's show was a lot of fun because I got to just branch out and really dig into the ways I, I mean, I hate the Patriots. And let's face it, I've hated Cam Newton. 
Now, I finally have a reason to spend every Sunday rooting against Cam Newton. People don't understand it. As an Alabama fan, I got to watch this guy ruin a year of college football for me, scam his way through college, make the NFL. Now he's here. He's here in the NFL, and I hated on him from the beginning just because I didn't like him from the, the collegiate years. And everyone had a hard time wrapping their head. Drew, why do you have so much animosity towards Cam Newton? Chris, I'm happy to say I finally have a reason to spend every Sunday disliking Cam Newton. That's the silver lining for me in all this. So with that said, though, folks, follow Christian on Twitter. Go ahead and tweet at us your thoughts, your feelings. You want to take me up on my Seagram's bet? Feel free. But we got to get the hell out of here. It's been fun. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That was Christian Simonelli. And this has been the Rock Pal Report. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.